internet brand strategist Sandra Beck interviews top business coaches, speakers, authors, and thought leaders to bring you the best business tips, tricks, and techniques to give your idea the best possible chance for success. From writing your first novel, to telecommuting from home, to taking your small business to infinity and beyond. Now here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Erin Carey of Sparking Wholeness and we are talking today about limiting beliefs around food. And I know, Erin, as I've gone through my health journey in the past couple years, I've really had to examine my limiting beliefs. Two of them was, I don't like this food. I didn't like it as a kid. I don't like it today. Haven't eaten it for maybe 25, 30 years and lo and behold, try it and like it. So, you know, I can't trust my beliefs on what I like and I don't like. And the other thing that my limiting belief that I had to change was I grew up with depression era parents. I grew up in a very modest lifestyle, so we didn't waste food. And I still struggle with how do I not waste food? I even, you know, crunch up the eggshells of my eggs and the coffee grounds and I put them on my plants or sometimes I put a little bit of calcium in with my dog food. You know, I'd really try not to waste anything. Not that we're advocating wastefulness, but there's got to be a, 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 you know, a balance here. And I realized how many crazy limiting beliefs that I had that were limiting my health. Gosh, that's interesting. I, and I know for me, just because I've done so much nutrition training and, you know, digging into all the different dietary theories and all of that, I think a lot of my limiting beliefs have had to do with eating things like bananas, like, Ooh, it's high glycemic or watermelon. Ooh, high glycemic food. It's and, and getting caught up in these nuances instead of realizing that, wait a minute, these are natural whole foods that have phytonutrients that can be beneficial. And I never owed overdose on bananas, but I could sure overdose on, on donuts, you know, oh, sure. things like that. I have so many, it's like, there's so much nutritional information out there. And I dig into all of it because I just love information. And I love learning new things, but it can really mess with my mindset about what I'm eating instead of going, what does my body actually need to feel good? So, yeah, I love that. You, that's such an interesting, the, the way you bring that up. Well, yeah, because, you know, as I, you know, I had a lot of time, honestly, like during my chemotherapy treatments, you know, I was given, and I'm just going to say this, given the gift of a day off from my life without guilt. Like I had to get to the hospital. Yeah, no, it was, you know, the chemotherapy part wasn't fun and the after effects wasn't fun, but it showed me how I could step away from my life for one day a week. Who knew, you know, was it stressful? Yes. Was it scary? Yes. But when I would sit there, I have a lot of time to think because it was in an era where they weren't letting people into the hospital. So I'm by myself. So I'm sitting there with my journal and then I'm, you know, they're bringing me apple juice, which I always thought was disgusting. And then they give you a little apple juice. They give you a little cracker in the, in the absence of anything else. I'm like, Hmm, like, Hey, this apple juice isn't bad. Like, Hey, you know, this apple juice mm -hmm. tastes pretty good. And, you know, I had, we had apple trees growing up. Like I was so done with apples, like by my twenties that I had this, this belief around them that I didn't like them. And I really think, you know, there's also mouthfeel, there's texture, there's flavor, there's how something's prepared. You know, I love fish and I grew up with fish and my kids and my dad are not big fish eaters. 
until I prepare it differently. Like, yeah, if I put a big fishy mm -hmm. piece of fish that's oily and greasy and then, you know, smells fishy, no one's going to like that. But when I create fish tacos and there's a little dollop of sour cream and there's some onions and some cabbage and things, all of a sudden they're like, hey, this is great. What is this? And of course, I lie through my teeth yeah. and tell them, you know, it's a new kind of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but 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 the whole point is that we have these beliefs. We have beliefs that, you know, if we don't eat and you know, me doing this um intermittent fasting that I've been doing that really helped me a lot with with certain things in my treatment. Um I was raised you have to have breakfast every morning. You got to eat that breakfast. Well, my breakfast doesn't happen till 12. But you know what, Aaron? I don't go to bed till 12. You know right. what I mean? Like, so for me to get, right. you know, and yes, I get up at seven, but it's not optimal for me. And I found this out through my journaling, through my little phone app, keeping track of when I felt good and didn't feel good. I feel good when I start my breakfast at 11, 30, 12 o'clock. And I will eat till eight that night because I teach spin at night. And that was a hard thing, spin and stretch at night. So I'd come mm -hmm. back home and be like, I, I want to eat. Yeah. You know, and everybody's like, oh, don't eat after six o'clock. Remember that one? Or don't eat after eight right. o'clock. All, All these little food rules. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I mean, we could talk, probably talk about breaking food rules for the rest of this episode, right? I mean, I just think about... <laughs> sometimes we have to, in order to find out what works for us, we have to break the food rules. We have to challenge the food police. You know, we have to dig in and go, okay, what actually works for me? I mean, I found out for myself, I did a food freedom journey probably about four years ago. Erin, I'm just going to jump in here for a second because today's episode is sponsored by AG1. And I want you guys to go to drinkag1.com slash coach talk. That's drinkag1.com slash coach talk, where you can try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs. And those travel packs are something that I want to talk to you about. I am so busy. I'm a single mom of two teenage boys. I care for my almost 90 year old dad in my house and I work full time and I don't have time to mess around with a bunch of different things in the morning. I just want to mix one scoop of powder in water once a day and be on my way. And the single serving travel packs are so great. I never have to miss a day. And if I'm in a super hurry, I can just throw one in my purse. They're all sealed up. They won't make a mess. I can use the jug and, you know, get my scoop out if that's the case. But every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and whole food sourced ingredients of such a high quality that I get not only major benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, and even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails, but I have the confidence that what I'm putting into my body, what it says on the packaging, is in the packaging. And I have a lot of confidence in AG1. So if you want to take ownership over your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash coach talk. That's drinkag1.com slash coach talk. That's drinkag1.com slash coach talk. You'll be so glad you did. Now we're talking today with Aaron Carey about limiting beliefs about food. And you you were talking about this food thing that you did. Yeah, I had to give myself some months of food freedom to decide what I actually like and what food actually makes me feel good. And one thing that I decided is when I allowed myself to have sweets like ice cream, you know what? I don't even really like ice cream that much. It freezes my mouth up. 
and then I can't enjoy the flavors. And when I allow myself the freedom to enjoy some kind of a treat with chocolate and peanut butter, I absolutely do love that. And that is worth it to me, but I had to allow myself that freedom. Same thing with vegetables, asparagus and I, we're not friends. I don't love it. I can have it when it's blanched. I discovered that blanched asparagus is amazing. Then it's still a little crunchy. I can dip it into hummus. It's good, but it's not my favorite. There are other vegetables that I love like Brussels sprouts when they're prepared the right way. I could eat those all day, every day. So good. Sweet potatoes, love them because they give me the sweetness that I want. But Mm -hmm. I had to go on a food journey to find that out. Right. And I think there's a way of also making food fun and changing beliefs about it. Like when my kids were little, we had this thing with... um, with Brussels sprouts. And of course, no kid's going to wake up and go, Ooh, I love Brussels sprouts. But the way I prepared them, yeah, it had a little balsamic vinegar, a little brown sugar, a little salt and pepper, like delicious. And so we started calling them baby heads because <laughs> they were baby cabbage heads. So, you know, we would have baby heads, you know, I'm like eat your baby heads and then they would laugh and it took the, you know, it still wasn't great, but then they eat them and go, Oh, the baby head is crunchy. I'm crunching on the baby head and we'd have all sorts of fun. The other thing that we would do for some reason, my kids did not like ribs and I would make ribs like beef ribs or, you know, spare ribs and they wouldn't eat the ribs. And so I changed them to dinosaur bones. Like, okay, come on. We're having dinosaur for dinner. And having a little bit of that whimsy, and now my kids are older, and we were out recently uh, for Mother's Day, and one of my kids got ribs, and I'm like, you're getting ribs? He goes, no, Mom, I'm getting dinosaur bones. But that just shows your belief, how our beliefs shape our view of food. Yeah, I love that. And I love as a fellow boy mom, I appreciate <laughs> dinosaur bones and baby heads like that. <laughs> I don't know if that would flow as well if you had two daughters, right? But um, I, I love that. And I think that's individualizing it. I, I know a lot of grown adult men that need to talk about their food in that way too. Like I, I have so many female clients that say, oh, my husband's a meat and potatoes guy. That's all he wants to eat. He won't branch out. He won't touch anything green. And I think when we give ourselves, like maybe you didn't like things that, you know, Brussels sprouts or whatever it is when you were a kid, because you ate the canned stuff because it wasn't prepared the right way. Maybe you've never tried it in a way that you would actually like it with enough spices and make it spicy with some cayenne pepper, whatever it is. I think we do have to switch it up, especially for the skeptical. There are a lot of skeptical adults out there that still eat like 12 year olds. Right. Well, and there's a lot of crappy cooks. Now I went to cooking school. So, and I went to cooking school, Erin, because A, I needed to put myself through college, but B, there's a thing in my household, we call them the green beans of death. Okay. So the green beans are of death are these green beans that my grandma used to make. And we all, because we were a you know, first gen traditional family, we go over to grandma's house and grandma would make these things and she'd make a turkey and that was great. She'd make mashed potatoes, that was great. But there were these things called the green beans of death. And they were green beans, they probably came from a can and then they were boiled beyond recognition. So it basically was a piece of string. You know how there's the string along the green bean and then the, the green bean would like hang off of that. They were no flavor and they were kind of slimy. And so they, my brothers and sisters and I were like, oh my gosh, you know, the green beans of death are coming out. And, you know, they'd pass the bowl around the table and everybody's forced to take some. And my mom's like, eat your green beans, eat your green beans. So before I went to cooking school, I'm like, I'm never cooking a green bean. And my sister, Jill, who had to pick yellow beans, she's like, I'm never eating a yellow bean. 
long story short, fast forward, I go to cooking school, I come home, I make this green bean dish. It has yellow beans and regular green beans. And everybody goes, ooh, like, I'm not going to eat that. And I'm like, eat it. It's delicious. Do you know, Erin, now green beans are my favorite go-to everything. Green beans, yellow beans, whack beans, you know, depending upon the country you're in, you know, you call them different things. But I'm like, I love green beans because I know how to cook them. I know how to season and prepare them. And they're fabulous. Yeah, that's that's so true. And it wasn't until I learned, for me, you know, I don't think I ate a lot of vegetables growing up. My mom tried, but I just wasn't, didn't do it for me. It was probably in my twenties when I learned how to roast vegetables, when they get a little crispy. Now mm -hmm. I do think roasting them and they get crispy. It can, you know, cancel out some of the good benefits, but Hey, I'm eating them better that way. Right. Like I'm more likely right. to eat them if they're roasted and seasoned with garlic and salt and pepper. I love it like that. And broccoli. I like when my broccoli is a little bit crispy. I'll put that in. I'll put broccoli with my eggs. I'll put it with anything when it's like that. Right. And it's just, I had to learn what way that I was going to eat it and I was going to enjoy it. Now my kids, they prefer all their vegetables raw. Like I, I can't do raw broccoli to me. That's my true test of hunger. How do I know if I'm really hungry? If I'd be willing to eat raw broccoli, usually I'm not, <laughs> not if it's, you know, not dipped in ranch dressing or something. Right. But I, I just, I think that everybody has to decide the way that they're going to like it, but that it goes back to those limiting beliefs of, we think like because of our childhood or how we were raised eating, we think that we can't branch out or maybe we have food issues, or maybe there's this yo-yo dieting thing where we have these food rules. Well, Ooh, I can only have half of a banana, not a whole banana, but half of a banana. It's like, Ooh, but, but what would happen if you had a whole banana? You might like it. It might keep you fuller. You might enjoy the benefits of, you know, things like that. It's like, we've got to be able to challenge these beliefs and these mindsets that we have yes. in order to grow a wider palate. And I think just nutritionally speaking, variety is important for a gut microbiome. It's important for our enjoyment and for satiety levels. If we eat the same thing all the time, because we think that's what we're supposed to have, that's boring and it's not going to be filling. We're going to be hungry and probably hangry as well. Right. Well, and I also think, you know, and this is something, you know, that I did with my kids and again, they're boys. So, you know, and you have to, you know, know your limits of yourself and your kids, but I really tried hard to teach my kids that not everything is eating for enjoyment or pleasure. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's to make better poop. And if you have boys, I yeah. used to get my kids to eat some of the things they didn't want because it would make big poops. <laughs> like the broccoli, like, you know, like if you eat this broccoli, you're going to make a really big poop and boys love, you know, they love to talk about poop. Even dads, like you want to have a big poop, you know, eat some broccoli, you know, the fiber will make the poop bigger. So if you want, you know, bigger poop. And then the other thing that I did, which I thought was really fun um, because meal times as a single mom, I was always stressed out by the time meals came around with my kids and it was just a drag. And so if I could make it fun and I got my kids to eat beets, which nobody eats beets because it made them run faster. So they would take a bite and then they would run into the living room, come back at another bite, run into the living room. And, you know, was it not a sit down restful bodies at rest digest meal? No, but it got some things into them. So kind of going in the direction of the way your kids are. And so that they learn from a very young age. And my mom was a big proponent of this. She's like, not everything we eat 
has to taste good. Sometimes we got to put it in our body because it's good for us. And, you know, or it makes bigger poops, you know, is my generation of the, the translation for that. Because our beliefs, limiting beliefs, every meal must taste good, right? Every vegetable must taste good. And sometimes I crunch down raw broccoli, which is horrible. I agree. And the hair, like the little curly things, and I'm like, you know, but I throw it in my body. I chew it up and swallow it because I'm eating, I'm taking a vitamin. Like I'm putting it in my body yeah. on purpose, purposefully, not with the expectation of eating it. Because let's be honest, broccoli is not chocolate cake. Right. You know? <laughs> it never will be. And it never <laughs> will be. I don't care. You could dip it in chocolate. You could do whatever you want to. It's never going to be chocolate cake. Yeah. So we're setting the expectation and that goes on to our beliefs and our limiting beliefs. The limiting belief with my kids growing up was that when they would come home from their dads, they're like, cause they'd have fast food there. And I'm like, that's great guys. I'm glad you enjoyed it. You won't get it here <laughs> because here we put things in to fuel our bodies. Yeah. So we put it in to make bigger poops or better poops or go check your poop. Like that's the, the greatest thing I ever did was teach my kids to look at their poop. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And that's important. I mean, gosh, I was just looking at somebody, somebody I follow on Instagram, her post, she had the Bristol stool chart on there. And it was like, you know, all the different types and what your poop is supposed to look like. That's a really important indicator of health. If we can teach yes. our kids that early on, that's great. And, and like, to your point of, it doesn't have to always taste good. Like we just eat it because of the health benefits. Something I like to do with my kids is all the different colors of food have different phytonutrient properties in the body. So I've played a little game with my kids to where purple foods, they're helpful for brain health. So when I say purple foods, we point to our brains, right? Like I make it almost kind of like a Simon says type of activity just so they can get that. It's not just while food, eating food for pleasure is great. Like you said, chocolate cake is great for a birthday party, but in real life, I want them to have a variety of fruits and vegetables. So we say purple foods, brain health, orange foods, hormone health. And in that I tell them it's messengers. It's the messengers of the body. So hormone reproductive health, we don't go much farther into that. And then um, red foods are good for the immune system. Like for example, a red bell pepper has more vitamin C than an orange. And that red coloring really helps to impact the immune system. Green foods are great for heart health. They're also really helpful in detoxification, which is really beneficial for heart health as well. And then white and yellow foods are good for tummy health, for digestive health. So, you know, and when I say white and yellow, we're talking about bananas. Yes, we are talking about white potatoes because I think white potatoes are great. And they there's are. a way to eat them to where kids can, you know, they almost resemble French fries, but without being fried in all the, you know, oils that they use. And so when I run down, I think that's all the main colors. When I explain food in that way to my kids, then there's a little bit more incentive to, oh, we eat for more than just taste. It's right. doing other things in our body. And then it gets them out of that diet mindset too, which it, right. it hits right now. It's hitting boys and girls equally. This whole yo-yo dieting, body image issues. It's crazy how it's, it's, it's just consuming so many of our young kids at a very young age. And so if I could just talk to my kids and even myself, I do it for myself. I'm like, okay, have I had a purple food today? <laughs> have I had an orange food? Like I'm thinking about the fruit right now. I'm cutting up so much fruit for my family. Everybody's on a fruit kick. And I'm like, okay, so what color of fruits do I have in my fridge right now that could be benefiting all of us in different ways? And so it's just a great check-in to, Right. To know that, yes, there's so many other purposes for eating beyond like, oh, it tastes good in the moment. And it gives me the fuel to, you know, make it another hour. 
but no, no, there are deeper, last, longer lasting benefits there. Right. And who can't eat your colors? You know, right. what I mean? yeah. like, you know, and we're not talking M&Ms, you know, that was my kids thing. They're like, I'm eating my colors, mom. I got my green, my red. Yeah. Right. But that's the principle. And you want to teach the principle, give them M&Ms for, you know, whatever. And then talk about the different colors of food, whatever it takes to build lifelong, healthy eating habits without stressing everybody out, you know, demanding that your kid eat a vegetable or eat something. Now it makes mealtime uncomfortable, frustrating. So how do we get buy-in? You know, buy-in is the advertising term where we get people to come with us on some journey. So getting your kids to buy in, even if it's as simple as making a bigger poop and expect them to break the water line in the toilet and run into each other's room and go, I did it. I did it. My poop is so big. You know, it, it hit the water line. But I will tell you, you know, like talking about poop for a second poop is so important especially if you're a sandwich generation person like i am because my 89 year old dad aaron got in the swing of the poop talk okay so he came to me and said <laughs> you know what's interesting sam you taught the kids to look at their poop i looked at my poop his meds were not dissolving they were passing through oh, wow. and so when i wow. called his 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 general practitioner the one who gave him these potassium pills he goes oh they're coated he goes we need to get him non-coated so just him looking at his poop he was seeing his one of his meds was passing through his body hole for whatever reason they were potassium medical grade potassium tablets they had a coating on it that his body for whatever reason wasn't able to dissolve so i had to crush it you know use a pill cutter and cut like mm. nine pills a day, which is a big pain, but I have to cut them. Now we buy uncoated or the prescription is uncoated, but we don't know if something's going into our body and digesting until we look to see what comes out. Yeah, that's good. You know, a, a test I, I often use with my clients to see how their digestion is working is the corn test mm. to, you know, you eat something that's, a, you know, corn product, corn on the cob, whatever it is, find out corn salad, whatever you want to call it, uh, and find out how long it takes for it to show up in your stool. Really optimal should be about 17 to 24 hours after. If it's sooner than that, then you're probably not digesting enough nutrients. You've got some issues going on because things are passing through too quickly. If it's longer than that, then you have some constipation and potential toxicity issues because your body's holding on to things for too long. And so that's kind of it there that is kind of a fun test to do. It's like that 17 to 24 hour mark is perfect, but anything sooner, anything after is not healthy. So like what you found out with your dad, I mean, I think that everybody should be looking to see and look up, everybody should look up the Bristol stool chart while they're at it and see where you are because fiber, most Americans, we are not getting enough fiber in our diet, even with the vegetables, even with, you know, we might need something like more flaxseed, more chia seed, more, um, acacia fiber or psyllium husk, things like that. Because I think the recommended amount is over 25 grams and we are not getting that we're getting far below. So, um, that's, and that's what helps to have optimal digestion, optimal, even mental health and gut health, all of that. Well, and I love this. I looked at the Bristol stool chart and there's, you know, cute ones you can put on your kid's bathroom wall on Amazon and it's called choose your poo. And it's like, you know, do you want to look like rabbit droppings, a bunch of grapes, corn on the cob, you know, or a sausage, chicken nuggets like this is something that can really help your kids 
manage their body. Um, you know, the other thing, like the last thing about poop, I will say is that when you look at your own poop, you can have a conversation with your kids and talk about it and make it something talk about limiting beliefs is poop gross not really you know poop is a is an indicator of our health and finding these things out having a better relationship with poop like my kids favorite book we have a lot of poop things but was a book called who pooped in the park and it's a, a book that was put out by, I think, National Geographic, and it helps you identify animals by their poop. So I just think, you know, changing the beliefs around poops or Tara Gomi's book, Everyone Poops, is just so important to change our beliefs mm -hmm. around poop from being like, ew, stinky, yucky, you're gross. No, it's something part of the body, and it's actually an intelligent system. Yeah, constipation is a big struggle for kids. You know, there are a lot of kids that are holding it in because they're afraid or maybe they've been pressured to potty train too early on, whatever reason it is. And a lot of times it can be an indicator that there's some anxiety going on. I mean, I speak to so many people, so many clients that have IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, and typically the same people that have IBS also struggle with anxiety and mental health issues. Our poop is kind of an indicator of what's going on brain health wise. And so if you're going too much or if you're going too little, you might even be emotionally storing, right? <laughs> or right. emotionally not dealing in the right way. And so I think it is important, you know, limiting beliefs about food, limiting beliefs about digestion. We have a lot of those. And we there are a do. lot of things that we don't talk about that we need to. Right. And we have so many hangups. And I think that was the one thing, Erin, that getting really sick, you know, with cancer and, you know, having to change my whole lifestyle really made me examine going, how ridiculous is it that we're a family with kids that doesn't talk about our poop? Yeah. Yeah. And it needs, it needs to be a conversation because you get to a certain age, like when they're babies, you're always checking, you get sure. to a certain age, like my six and nine-year-old, I have no idea if they're regular or not, unless I ask them. And it's important to ask. And my go-to for my kids when they haven't been going, they need to is magnesium. So many of us are magnesium deficient because sure. we have limiting beliefs about food and we're not getting the nutrients we need from food. And we're not getting food that's mineral rich. The soil is depleted. And so we might need to be using supplements to make up for those gaps because Absolutely. we live busy lives. We don't have time to, you know, be constantly cramming spinach down our throats, you know, or almonds or whatever else magnesium rich foods there are. <laughs> right. No. And I mean, you know, you talk about the kids being six and nine, you know, your nine-year-old might have, have what my kids did at nine, 10, 11, 12, even to high school. They're like, I'm not eating at school because I don't want to use the bathroom at school. The bathroom at school can either be That's scary true. or embarrassing or whatever. So, you know, mm -hmm. having this conversation, like with my kids, we, when I would pick them up from school, the first thing we would do is run home wherever we would go and the kids would have to use the bathroom. Like they've been holding it all day yep. in middle school. They've been holding it all day. I think by 11th grade, they're better <laughs> at, at, at regulating that. But there are certain things that cause kids stress. And if you're a first time parent and you're like, your kid's not wanting to eat lunch or not wanting to drink water during the day because they don't want to use the bathroom, that's not necessarily a limiting belief, but it's a belief that the bathroom is scary. The bathroom's not a good place. I don't want to be embarrassed. Gets to how we think about poop and pee and our body functions. You know, is that a limiting belief that we can help our kids with, especially in middle school and early high school? 
Yeah. Well, and I think just a lot of the limiting beliefs we have that we grow up with have to do with the fact that we don't really realize that our body is working for us all the time. We think our body is working against us. It's inconvenient to have to stop to use the bathroom. It's inconvenient to eat healthy foods. It's inconvenient to meal prep. It's all these things that we've decided are inconveniences are actually things that our body needs to really work for us. And when we can choose to partner with our bodies and to work with our bodies, instead of punishing or working working against or beating our bodies into, you know, submission with yo-yo dieting and working out too hard, you know, all those things that, that we often do, we can see a major difference in all of our internal and external functions as well, just because we've chosen to partner with our bodies and switched around that limiting belief. I love that. I love that. So if you liked what you heard today, check out Erin Carey at sparkingwholeness.com. I'm Sandra Beck. We'll be back again soon with another great episode. Thank you for listening. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach Talk Radio. Oh, 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 o